Hey, this is Soundcheck. What's going on, babe? All right, Soundcheck. So, uh, you know how hot it was yesterday at the game? Um, no, it, indoors. it was very, very hot at the game yesterday. Um, okay. But on Friday, I bought, I got some new underwear. Um, like I wear boxer briefs, you know, for the for the listeners. Every, all of our listeners know that. And uh, I got, I was at Target, and I was like, I needed some new underwear, so I picked up some like Hanes, uh, which is what I the brand I wear. I'm, I'm loyal to my underwear brands. Um, but I picked up like this like really interesting weird fabric. It's like wicking fabric. Nice for. Your undercarriage, your and undercarriage. you're trying to decelerate I mean, I have, your undercarriage. I have I have wicking uh, material for like when I play sports and stuff, but I was like, never even occurred to me that maybe having a uh, fucking wicking shit for your balls might not give you swamp ass all the time. So I was at the game yesterday, and I'm just sweating. I, I literally I take I took my shirt off at one point. I don't know if anybody saw me on the TV. I'm I took sure my they shirt did. off, did, yeah. and I was sweating like beads of sweat, like just sweat, like just. Draining down into my into my pants, my uh, my balls, my taint, amazing, amazing. Where did it all go? I don't know. It got wicked away. <laughs> it just got it's wicked into another fucking dimension. Fucking magic, man! I have I have magic underwear now. I'm, I'm a Mormon now. Basically, is what I'm saying. I'm a Mormon now because I have magic underwear. Live from Fitzgerald's in St. Paul, we are the Daves you know. This is the Daves I know. You want me to be that type of dude, and I want to be who you like me to, but we both know I can't do nothing at all. So should we record this podcast? Yeah, probably should. I mean, I got all this stuff here. I mean, yeah, it's like you, you, you trekked up from uh, from uh, you know Iowa uh, to help yeah. record the podcast. So yeah, people shit on Iowa. That's not. Um, yeah, it was a shitty place to shit on. So I mean, it's, I, was it that a compliment it, or was no, that <laughs> in that it's shitty? It's Iowa. Okay. You know, uh, before um, before the trip down to Kansas City, my wife had never actually stepped foot in Iowa. Did she get off the bus at some she point? She did in get Iowa? off the so bus in Iowa. in Iowa. Yeah, like when we had the, the layover, like in like southern part of Iowa, which is basically like the northern part of Iowa, and that there's nothing fucking there. Um, which yeah, is kind of like the better part of Minnesota as well. Well, the the southern part of Minnesota. <laughs> so, All right. um, yeah, she did actually get off the bus in Iowa. So she has actually now set foot in Iowa. She's been cornholed. That's that's what they call it. Is that is that what they call it? Yep, being okay. cornholed. Uh, how's I mean, your week? <laughs> good. good. I, I want to say about Iowa. Like, I shit on Iowa because <laughs> Iowa's a shitty place. Um, and uh, you know who hates uh, Iowa? We hate Iowa. Um, I hate Iowa. But uh, there's a shit ton of windmills in Iowa. Like, I really appreciate their like alternative energy solutions. Yep, they're, and they in fucking corn ethanol, which is not a great thing, by the way. But you know, whatever. Um, at least they're trying. They're trying, right. at least. 
it's renewable if not um, if not environmentally friendly. Um, yeah, the, uh, great for alternative energy sources. Um, also, when it, you know, back when there were only a couple of states that had legal gay marriage, Iowa was one of them. They were one the, of the first. They kinda were the, they were actually weird, they it? were literally the first one. It was by it was by uh, by the courts. Minnesota. So it's weird. It's funny. I was the first one, first state in the in the union to uh, legalize gay marriage, and they did it through the court system. Minnesota was the first one to actually do it by uh, legislation. By legislation, which is kind of crazy. Like the fucking Midwest. Yep. I mean, that's we, where like, your progressive. We got is Wisconsin, happening. which is a whole other fucking thing. Right. But uh, at least Iowa, and Minnesota are leading the charge in uh, uh, progressive issues, in spite of Iowa generally being a really uh, regressive state. So <laughs> I'll disagree. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, you spent you had to spend time there as an adult. So <laughs> fuck you. I lived there. I taught there. I know. I taught college. Time there. as an adult there. Oh goodness gracious. So uh, we're the Daves. You know this is the Daves. I know. So we got a special episode tonight. We're gonna look back at the last two games. Uh, our previous podcast we previewed. We gave you a twofer. Uh, both of those games have now happened, even though we wish they hadn't. Uh, we're gonna give you a quick recap into those, and then we're gonna dive into uh, an extra special look at. Uh, we're about halfway through the season. We're going to give you some uh, mid-season then, grades. Uh, uh, we're going to give run. you a mid-season report card on not just the players, uh, not just the different uh, uh, roles on the team, but we're also going to give you front office. We're going to give you coaches. We're going to give you uh, other stuff like, I don't know, merchandise. We're even going to talk about, we're going to give ourselves a grade. And then we're going to wrap up by talking about uh, the Daves I know and saying, uh, have we done anything? Spoiler alert, five out of five would fuck again. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah, you don't need to listen now because you've heard everything we're going to say. So let's look I mean, back that's, on the that's, that's for the, the podcast and the website, not actually the other team. Right, right, right. It's not us. It's no. on the, the work we've done. So. No, 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 it's definitely us, but like I'm talk- not talking about the, the actual Minnesota United team. Go to Iowa. Uh, so let's look back on the games that happened. The first one, uh, you've probably tried to block from your memory, so I'm going to remind you. Was, yeah, uh, we went to New York. We went to the Big Apple. They took a bite out of us. We lost 3-1, to one, which is pretty much in line with what you and I had expected. So so what did you see at a high level out of that game? 3-1 to one is literally what I expected. I literally said 3-1. to one. Um, You know, we played decent in the first 15 minutes. I mean, we weathered some storm. Then we actually started gaining possession for around the seventh minute or so and it paid off we actually scored we scored the first goal of the game uh ramirez pounced on a ball ibsen um had an amazing shot that johansson just kind of he should have done better on it right but ramirez is right there and he put it in and and to be you know i just want to step back and say ibsen has had so many great strikes on balls that have like just not gone in because of like goaltend or fingertips or whatever, he's gonna score one of those really soon. It's gonna be probably like in one of the goal, like, goal of the year contenders, <laughs> probably. Um, so. so you know, uh, Ramirez pouncing the ball. He's got ten goals so far. He's the best American striker uh, in MLS. Um, you know, the fact that he wasn't on the forty-man roster for uh, for the Gold Cup is you know insane. But whatever. Um, but after that, uh, this game was a fucking. I mean. From almost that like that first goal, when uh, uh, NYCFC like kicked off to to restart play, it was basically NYCFC for the rest of the game. They're, like Minnesota didn't even seems like they tried to hunker down and defend, but they didn't really do any of that at all. So no, and we it was it was a really, it was a frustrating game to watch, and we watched it at the at the Nomad. Me and me and my wife watched it at the Nomad. It was a frustrating fucking game to watch. Oh, absolutely, and it, you know we've talked about this on the podcast I think several times that Minnesota, even against better opposition, is not going to do better by bunkering. It feels that way because we're against a high-powered offense like New York, 
a, a team in New York that's gonna that's gonna pounce on your mistakes. Um, but we need to defend higher up there. We need to play a little bit more aggressively, swamp folks with the ball, uh, because when we try to, well, and we'll get to it a little bit in the Columbus game with the goal that we saw there, but when we try to absorb pressure, we get dribbled around, we find guys out of position, and, and I think about Viva. I want to talk about Viva in that game particularly. I thought Viva looked hopeless. Um, oh, God, he yes. Was, uh, he was constantly getting guys around him. I think he played too centrally. It, it was like he didn't understand quite what he should be doing with his position. Um, in fact, weirdly, I almost thought his uh, his uh, right his right center back kind of role in that five four one that we played against the crew was almost better for him. But anyways, um, you know, he, he had guys going outside of him, getting behind him. Uh, he wasn't closing down on tackles. He looked, uh, yeah, he, he looked hopeless. Yeah, I mean, I I wrote down that Viva should not be playing uh, ninety minutes on defense for this team, and no. we can we can get to Viva a little bit more. Um, Later, because I have some thoughts on on Viva, and I don't think he's been um, completely worthless, but he's there's definitely been some issues. Um, you know, the other like sort of I, mean, I don't know. I'm just trying to think of like uh, one other good thing, and it's it you know it's been Jermaine Taylor uh, coming in and subbing and playing a little bit of minutes uh, in the center back position. He was so fucking bad as a fullback, right? That. <laughs> Anything that's like halfway decent is great, and he, but even still, like he slipped on uh, on the first New York City FC goal. And um, one thing that should be pointed out is that NYCFC put a lot of pressure on the on the ball after that first goal, um, but Minnesota generally withheld that pressure. All three goals by NYC were because of defensive breakdowns and defensive yep. letdowns. And so, and I I understand we're putting like we are absorbing a lot of pressure but as we keep saying in in you in particular um for this team the best defense um or the best yeah the best defense is is, is a pressuring offense yep and that we're forcing turnovers and we're we're creating uh conflicts at the on the ball up forward and as opposed to like bunkering 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 and then we fuck up and then of course yeah they put the ball in so yeah, it was a really it was a frustrating game and then again you know i don't know one sub we can talk about inchy in a little bit but I just I don't understand uh, what he's trying to do. So well, I'll, I'll double down on a comment that I made in our last podcast. Who are you putting in? I mean, you, you've got the tough decision. I think it's tougher than some people realize of tired legs and maybe chemistry that's not working in the moment versus, boy, look at the shitty quality of the fresh legs I've got on the bench. Uh, I do think it's a tougher decision than often uh, he gets credit for, but there are some roster <laughs> decisions that he makes that I don't find acceptable. And we'll talk about one. His name is Ibarra here in a moment. Um, <laughs> my yep. favorite tweet of the night uh, from that New York City game came from Bruce McGuire. He called it. He said, we brought on Jome. They brought on Pirlo. That's that pretty summed much up the, fucking the difference up, in these man. two teams. Yeah, sums holy cow. All right, let's move on to the next game. Um, I Just before we start uh, the review of this next game, I just poured myself a rum ham. Rum ham at uh, Fitzgerald's. Actually, yeah, I they poured me the 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 hams and the rum, and I took a little bit of hams out of it so I could put the rum in. And let's fucking go! Cheers! Cheers! I think we need to make rum hams shirts. Yes, yeah, we absolutely need to make rum ham shirts. Yeah. So if you if you if you'd be interested in a rum ham shirt, hit us up on Twitter. I shared this online. Uh, we, I found a picture of um, somebody. It was a hams ad, and you could get at a bar what was called a hams job or a ham job, and it was basically yeah. just a can of hams and a shot of something terrible. Same idea, but instead of rum hams, it was a ham job. Do you want a ham job, David? Well, no. That that was that was 
the the can of hams and the shot independently. Not the, the one shot poured needs to go into, the, into other, yeah. the other one. That's what makes it a rum ham. That's what makes it a rum ham. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I don't really want a ham job. I want a rum ham. <laughs> all right. Well, this is <laughs> all this is going to be cut, I hope. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the Columbus crew then. Uh, uh, first podcast to bring you some coverage of that, so that's why you come here, right? Uh, for the the, the, the whatever hot, the analysis, the super hot takes. So if you had to, cu- we we dubbed a new take. Uh, we they're no longer called hot takes for us. We like to call them hot tames. A uh, fortuitous <laughs> typo on our part, and we're like, you know what? No, that's actually perfect. They're yeah. hot tames. Um, so if you had three words to describe the performance uh, against the crew last night, what would they be? Hot fucking garbage. <laughs> I love that fucking is one of the words. Yeah. <laughs> no, of course. What, 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 fucking garbage. I mean, garbage, I just need one word. It's it's garbage. And two words be fucking garbage. And then okay. the third word is hot fucking garbage. I got you. How about you? Uh, uh, my three words would be five, three, two. <laughs> I don't know. Um, okay, so, so what was your complaint here? It sounds like you didn't feel real positively about this. No, I mean... They were never out of the game. No. That's a which is pro, right? Well, yeah and no. I mean, they were never out of the game in so much as that, like... But it's also... It's because Columbus is not very good. Um, and But they were never actually in the game, is that they were never actually really trying to score. And so... That... The team showed me, as, as someone who's... I was in the, in the support section, in that hot, blazing-ass fucking sun... Uh, with uh, sweat running down my back, um, down my ass, uh, but not uh, pooling in my ball area as, you know, my wicking underwear. Moisture wicking. Yeah, moisture wicking underwear. Um, that just the, the team didn't look like they wanted to play there. And there was, obviously there's, you know, national team call-ups, so we're missing, you know, a good ch- chunk of our team, the a really good chunk of our team, uh, like the best probably chunk of our team. Um, but even still, like, the the lack of any sort of motivation by the team was bonkers, and the fact that uh, Ibarra was on the bench and Ishjom played, I guess you can call it he played a soccer match, but I don't know. <laughs> this is extremely negative. So let's talk, let's I, talk, let's talk listen, about I, I love I love I love Ish like. Uh, I've, I've hung out with Ish several times at like uh, season ticket holder events. He's a super nice dude. He's really engaged. He's from he's he's one of us, which is great. Um, literally, I was hanging out uh, at my house before we started recording the podcast, and I was playing with. I just got a new kitten. Um, that's a new addition to the podcast. I have a, a kitten <laughs> called. Uh, everybody should appreciate this mixtape discarude. Mix for let's, short. Anyways, let's dive into that later. I was I was throwing the ball back and forth for the cat and the cat would, would bat it back and forth and the cat had uh, better ball handling skills than Ishjom. I did watch... Hot uh, take. My cat has better handling skills than Ishjom. That's the hottest kind of tame. That's a hot tame. Uh, the, uh, so I did watch uh, I watched Jom dribble at some guys and lose the ball before the defender actually had the opportunity to defend. He lost <laughs> it all on his own so... So that's true. That's, that's not a skill that he has or, or has developed. Uh, I think he does have some pace, and that's a good thing. Um, but I don't think he has, like, the soccer mind to put himself on all the right positions, uh, things like that. So, so uh, 
I don't care for him. Uh, I will. So, so two positives about Ish. Um, when we had opportunities on or around the goal, he was there. He was finding the game. Now, when he found it, he didn't know what to do with it. But we've talked about guys before who, you know, Kadri getting isolated, even Ramirez getting isolated. And, he, you know, he needs support, but he also needs to find the game. Ish found the game. He didn't know what to do with it when he found it, but he was finding it. Um, second of all, I think that this sort of wingback role that he had might have been the optimal role for him. I don't know if he has the talent to play MLS. I don't think he does. I, I'd love to see him get loaned out if we had the depth to even do that. Um, but if he's going to play a role, the wingback role might not be a terrible one for him. It mostly relies on his pace to create some width and separation in the, the opponent's defense down there. Probably relies a little bit too heavily on his crossing skills, which are not they're to not, be desired. No, they're not no, good they're not good. So, And that's why I'm saying I, I don't think he has a spot in an MLS roster, but if he has one, it may be as a wingback who can at least use his pace to create disruption well, with his with his uh, position. I agree. I see I agree with you there. Like the only position I want to see Ish playing is in that sort of wing back and and you know, what do you call it a five three two or a three five two or a five four one or whatever the fuck you want to call it. Um, he played that position uh, down at Sporting Kansas in Kansas City for the Open Cup when they rolled out that really ridiculous three five or I think they was called a five three two or whatever, but it was really more of like a you know five three five two three five three two. It's sort of it just fluctuates based on like whether three, you're attacking five, three, or two? not. Five three five two. I wish we could play a yeah. three five three two. Um. Anyways, so the problem is the problem. My my problem with Ish is that he does occasionally have moments of like that he looks like he's competent, and so I'm with you. He's not a MLS caliber player right now, and but I also think. He's also the kind of player who needs to get time and, and needs to play. Um, I think Adrian Heath also recognizes that, which is why I think he's giving him time in spite of the fact that he should not be playing on an MLS roster right now. Um, and whether he develops that, I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully. God willing. Um, but, and, I mean, this goes back to more things we'll talk about with our sort of midseason review of, of everything. Like, the fact that this Joe is not out on loan right now and is playing regular MLS minutes. Says a lot about this team and a lot about this front office and a lot about this coaching staff. That is true. Our depth is so poor that we can't. I mean, when you say we're relying on guys like Joe because we need human bodies around, or like that's because not a good he's place like, to be. like we have nobody else who in the attack. If we get like one guy goes down, mm-hmm. we have nobody else. Like we literally, we'll, and we'll talk about this later. Again, it's just, spoiler alert: like we don't have anybody in the fucking attack anymore. Well, so let's talk about the guy that we did have in the attack that we, we chose not to use, which is Ibarra. What did you think yeah. about uh, Ibarra being left off the roster? We heard afterwards, uh, ostensibly because he hadn't shown enough hustle in the previous game. Yeah. Um, I Maybe he didn't have enough hustle, but I also call bullshit on that. And I probably also calling bullshit on Adrian Heath as a uh, man manager. Um, we, he've, we've seen consistently that he uses – basically like uses the games and as a way to punish his team like his Jurgen style he's mentioned yeah he's mentioned before like I think the guys who were really terrible needed to see the game out in terms of like the Atlanta match and some other blowout games where it's like well why are you like intentionally embarrassing your players um, and the fact that the entire dark cloud section was saying we want Batman I think that was the only reason that Ibarra came on if, if, if I think I don't think if we had been been chanting that um, starting in like the you know 70th minute or whatever 
that Ibarra would even come on. I think Ibarra would have been left off the game, like left off the pitch the entire match. Honestly, and that's to me, that's insane. Um, Ibarra is probably right now he's probably the at worst the fifth best player on your team at worst, and probably you know he's still getting his fitness. He you know he was part of the Inchi's issue with him was his fitness, and he of course he. You know, it suffered because he was not getting regular time in, in right. uh, Liga MX. Um, he's come back from that, though. But he's back from that now. And, like, the fact that he can't use that as an excuse. And they were playing – that was, like, their third game in nine days. Like, of course people are going to have, like, dead legs and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I just it, – it bothers me that this is the way that he's, like, managing this team. And, I mean, I remember somebody else who uh, – and, and uh, I want to say it was uh, Notch – uh, two United fans who pointed this out, like this is kind of the same thing that uh, Carl Craig did last year, which led Lance Lang and Stefano Pino to basically oh, have sure. really shitty seasons because they yeah. weren't they weren't up to up to snuff according to the manager. So right. that's really frustrating as a fan to see. It is. It, it, here's here's what's frustrating about it to me. So so I, I'm not even a like totally a hundred percent against the idea of using games or appearances or performances to send a message to players occasionally and i think uh you know we we sat venegas out uh johan venegas from a practice uh and he seemed to come back with a a bit of a clearer head you know you, you can win those you can lose them here's my problem we were so 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 thin that the time is just not right for that kind of message we had not only were hold on not only were we thin just because of the players that we had available, but one of the players that we had available was Abu Dunladi. Abu Dunladi was listed as questionable coming into the game. He had an injury he was recovering from, and Heath literally chose to put out a semi-injured player and see if he could make a go of it, and that player had to be drug off the field halfway through the game because that injury continued to nag at him rather than put on a healthy player. He'd rather endanger the growth and health of a player who's injured, who has, who's a chronically injured, by the way, than to not send a message to Ibarra in this way. Wildly, wildly off base and for a team that's where we are. I mean, I just want to point out, we only had 17 players on the bench mm-hmm. at home. Well, can, can we, I had seven, we, had, we had 17 eight players on the bench at home. You should, should have 18 players. Now, we can understand, we've talked about this before, like people get hurt on the road, Mark Birch, uh, uh, Venegas, uh, you know, a few weeks ago. And if you're only traveling with 18, that, that makes sense. We had 17 players on the bench. We did not have the full fucking bench at home. Yep. That that's is – that's – I – I Well, so, some of that's bad I luck. No, I don't even know. Plenty of that's bad luck. Uh, you know, no, um, it's not. No, that's uh, not fucking no, bad luck. No, no, that is, we, that is we poor have, man management. Uh, it, it can be two things. It, so, obviously, there's poor man. Nobody's going to say that, yeah, we really bolstered the depth on this team, but we probably have more injuries than the average bear, and we get, we got hit by international call-ups that happen all at the same time. I still think it's poor man management in addition to that. Every team has injuries. Every we team, have more ha- every injuries team right? has call-ups. I Look at your injury. Right? We have more than the average team. We're doing worse by that than many teams. Well, you know, this is the team that still has Bernardo Anyor on the fucking roster. Um, I'm not saying we shouldn't get more people. I'm just no, saying no, that's facts. That's, that's These are not disputable that's on, facts. That's on that's on the front office. That's on that's on. I agree. That's on it Inchi. can be two things. No, it's but we can have bad luck and it's be not, responsible. It's for not, not bad luck. Bernardo to fall back is not bad that. luck. We've we've been we've kept Bernardo Anyor on the roster. Bernardo, Anyor, when's the last time he saw the, the fucking reason, pitch? The reason that we haven't signed new that's players is not, that's isn't not because bad luck. We, that is that is that is 
Poor management of your team. We haven't added more people because Bernardo on yours on the roster. We're saving him. We just don't have more people. No. We don't have more people. We, we're also like short three. We, we have 27 people on our 30-man roster, which actually is only 26 because we have an extreme hardship on our I, roster as well. How are we arguing that's about not, this? I think it's both things. No, that's not. You can underman your staff and get hit by bad injuries at the sure, same time. But if you had if you had 30 people on your roster, it would be less you wouldn't impactful. have this issue. You're no, right. That's it's, One it's, problem is fewer than two. But both those problems exist. But you can have you can have thirty people in roster and then have bad luck, and you're not going to be stuck with less than eighteen at home. We don't disagree with each other. I don't know how we're arguing about this. I don't um, so the good news is that you, got, about this you got at least a version of your three-five-two out there. I think the difference between a three-five-two and a five-three-two is completely academic. If you want to argue, that's it's a no, five-four-one. Absolutely, whatever. Yeah, it's completely academic. It depends on whether you have the ball or not. Fine. Let's go talk about uh, other United news. We'll take a breath. We'll talk about other U news, and then we'll we'll give our we'll give our. Uh, All right. I almost called it recipe. No, what yeah. I meant was uh, like uh, grades. I feel I don't like know we, I, it I, feel, I feel like we might have some arguments here too. This That's is like fine. this is gonna be a good fucking podcast, yeah. man. People like. Uh, All anger. right. So other United news. Um, there hasn't really been a ton. I mean, it looks like uh, quarter to fifty-five-one uh, that there's United is rumored to be signing. Uh, Brandon Allen from New York Red Bulls on a loan for the rest of the season. He's an attacker. He scored, I think, what, 30 goals in uh, US, USL uh, for uh, uh, NYRB2. Um, he gives some attacking depth, which is great because we don't have any attacking depth, as we've talked about mm -hmm. many times. Um, Here's my big yeah. thing about that. Like, so there's no doubt we need depth. And the fact that we look to be bringing on another living soul is a positive. It's not not a positive. That said, we're filling a position at striker. It doesn't appear to me that he has a flexibility that he's going to move out to the wing. He's going to be that you know second striker, that um, that that center attacking midfielder type of dude. So that's like the one position that we've had locked down more than any other position, and where health scares seem to have been our, our, our least concern. My question is, if the guy's not flexible, where's he going to get minutes? He's not going to get him over Ramirez unless he absolutely needs a, a spell for exhaustion or something like that. So. We're going to sign other dudes. I'm sure that's going to happen, but this is our position of least concern. I wonder well, where his minutes are going to come from. I mean, the question is, does, is this, are you thinking this is a guy who like slots in where Dunlady would play normally? If he's going to get minutes, he'll have okay. to. Well, yeah. I mean, Dunlady's been but been perennially injured this year. and Dunlady is, and so Venegas, you know, obviously Venegas, has, I guess, has been come and a, go in his, in a, in his motivation. Like a, a 10 role. Well, that's but my question, though, is, is, is can this dude play a false nine? Can he play a number 10? Can he play a second striker? Is he just an out-and-out -out striker? And what I've read briefly, uh, uh, to be honest, is that he's a he's a striker. He's a Ramirez. And yeah. That's we'll hard. see how flexible he can yeah, be. I don't know. I, I mean, I don't – yeah, we definitely need depth. He's in, a human person. We, that's we, fine. We, we, we also need attacking depth because we also maybe need to be able to bring somebody on – um, for say a uh, a Venegas or somebody to like provide maybe a four four two like two attacking uh, you know forwards or whatever so that'd be great um, but you're right I, I, I this is this is the position I'm least concerned about right so uh, a the lot other of times well, never mind. let's get we got so much <laughs> to talk no, about sorry. let's go so yeah the transfer window officially opens on July 10th um, Sam Nicholson has signed his contract with Minnesota United. He can officially join the team then. I'm sure we'll get to see him in that July 15th match against Atlas. Um, any other transfer rumors you heard about uh, Minnesota United? I know we have. We should literally be signing about 15 players, but... Okay. 
Uh, I know that Heath specifically called out the numbers three to four. We're targeting three to four guys. There was one that they had targeted that uh, reports indicate had fallen through. So that's one of the things about it is like we look at, for instance, you know, they bring on Brandon Allen. We're like, this is the position you need least. Well, they're probably targeting a bunch of positions, and this is the one that came through first. And so it, it's not like this is the only thing they're going at one at a time. I'm sure they've got other irons in the fire. Uh, although, like you said, some of the band management uh, questionable decisions makes me wonder how many irons and how many fires those are. <laughs> That's fair. Um, all right. right, so not a lot of news. So let's move on to the stuff you really came here for, the the, the Minnesota midseason review, the MMR, as we the, just decided to call it. The MMR. Moment. So we're going to break it up this way. We're going to talk uh, positionally. Uh, we're going to break it down by the different roles and talk about the people that, that filled those and give them a – do you, do you want to do this on, like, sort of a report card style, or do you want to do a one through five? Do you want to do a Likert scale? How do you uh, want to rate let's, these let's, people? Let's do a report card. All right. We're going to give a report card score. Now, let me ask one more clarifying question. Let's, let's lay out some ground rules, okay? We're going to give them these ratings, so tell me, are we comparing them to the average performer in MLS at that position? Are we comparing them to what you would expect out of an expansion team? Are we comparing them in terms of, you know, at least factoring in their role on our own roster? You know, maybe Barr is a B winger, but on our team he gets an A minus. Because hey, what are the ground rules here? So, for me, it's it's kind of a little bit of what you should expect from an MLS expansion team. Plus a little bit of what I would expect from a general MLS team versus how I view, view this person um, on an ML, like another any other MLS team roster, basically. So it's all so three of those things. Kinda, yeah. Okay. I mean, it, it's just like I want to, and it, these are all, obviously they're all super objective. We've yeah. we've all you know seen the games. We can kind of objectively. We should track down these people's uh, like parents and send them <laughs> our report cards. Anyway, so I did actually, yeah, so I when I broke my stuff down, I actually broke it down. I gave grades to each player, but then a, a grade generally to the position. So we're going we're gonna to do this uh, very simple. Keepers, center backs, fullbacks, midfielders, attackers, uh, coaching, uh, the front office, and then uh, our, our, simple, grade ourselves. our simple podcast. How about we do this? Website. We'll grade each other. We won't grade ourselves. No, I want no. you to grade me, okay. and I'm going to grade you. Fair enough. Okay, <laughs> that sounds like a terrible <laughs> idea, but <laughs> so, uh, so here we go. So the keepers, um, uh, it's John Alboja and Bobby Shuttleworth. Um, what are your thoughts on either of those two gentlemen? Uh, well, you don't have to give them each individual. I, I gave them each individual grades. Yeah, and, and, and I'm prepared to do that. Um, so Shuttleworth for me gets uh, I struggle between a B plus and an A minus, um, factoring in all those expectations that you talked about. Shuttleworth at a goalkeeper has been. He has had some phenomenal performances. He's made some incredible saves. He has been an anchor on a back line that has struggled. Um, so I, I'm excited about him. Now, the problem is that he's occasionally good for a blunder, like maybe more than your average uh, run-of-the-mill MLS goalkeeper. But he has so many opportunities to save that he also has a larger, larger sample size of opportunities to screw it up. You know, you wonder yeah. if he was taking a normal amount of shots, getting a normal amount of pressure, had a normal back line in front of him whether he'd be getting looks from less dangerous angles and fewer looks. Uh, so I, I'll, I'll probably give him an A minus. Oh, that's A minus. All right. That's aggressive. Um, I gave Bobby Shuttleworth a B. Um, I mean, the man is literally standing on his head every night. Um, he's keeping the loons in games. They have no, like no reason to be in. Um, but then again, you're right. As, as you mentioned, he inevitably gives up a boneheaded play. That gives up an equalizer, mm -hmm. gives up the goal to keep a to pre, you know, prevent a clean sheet or whatever, and that's what you expect from Shuttleworth and in, in his MLS track record. So, 
He's been playing above. I mean, I think Bobby Shuttleworth is a C goalkeeper in MLS at he's best. Punching above his weight, and right he's now. punching above his weight. I think yeah. that's that's worth that's worth a B. Which leads sure. me to um, Alboja, yeah. and we talked about this. Uh, you or you alluded to it is that Alboja probably didn't get the chance that Shuttleworth has gotten in terms of having a stable backline. No, um, you know, and with the amount of money that was spent on Alboja, man, who can't even see the. Uh, the 18 anymore um, for a while now, uh, you know. But for Demidov, this would have been probably the biggest mistake Minnesota made in the offseason. Um, again, done no favors by the back line of uh, Demidov and Taylor uh, in central defense. But you know, again, he hasn't been able to get into the in the team. So mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a fact a, a factor of Manny and and um, Amos telling Adrian to not put him in the lineup because they're sending him back to Sweden. Ending the loan, I don't know. So, I got a D plus for Alboja. Not that's not, and honestly, that's not really on him. Um, that's mostly on on Minnesota. And that's more like how he turned out rather than his yeah. performance specifically. Yeah. So I mean, so, so oh, averaging those two. I mean, I, I think the keepers get a C for Minnesota. They're they're not our weakest spot. I I don't mind Alboja. I I don't think he got a fair run. Uh, we talked about that. Yeah. Um, I I do think that w- the only half of soccer he played without that initial horrifying back line. He pitched the first shutout half of soccer that, that yep. this team has That's had in history. Houston, so, down in Houston. Yep, exactly. So uh, basically, I give him a C because we don't know any better or any worse, in my opinion. Uh, let's move on to the center backs. This. So what do, you, what, do you, what do you give the keepers overall? Overall, if I had to give them overall, it's uh, probably probably a C plus, maybe a B minus again because I don't I don't think it's been a weak spot for us. I think that there's a, my biggest problem with goalkeepers is the money that we spent the way that we got them. I don't mind Alboga. I don't even think he was a specifically bad decision, except that I think it's a bad decision to spend two hundred thirty thousand dollars a year on unproven talent from Europe when you can get domestic talent at a premium when there's good goalkeeping talent here. America produces goalkeepers, no problem. We didn't have to spend El Boga money on him whether he turned out well or not. That's my real problem. So right. C plus. I'll give you a C plus, B minus mm-hmm. range. Okay. Center right. backs. Center backs. Uh, we Anything have, uh, to say here, really? Or A plus and we <laughs> move on? Yeah, but n- not so much. Um, we have uh, Cabo, Demidov. Coleman, Taylor, and Greenspan have mostly manned uh, the center back positions. Um, so, obviously, we're both going to agree on an F on Demidoff. Demidoff was the worst, might be the biggest MLS bust in history. Um, Loon's front office cannot afford to make another mistake like this. Like Making five hundred, you know, five hundred fifty thousand dollars or whatever the fuck he makes a year. You know, what was my 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 biggest regret in life is, uh, and I have some is that in our second podcast, I said that we were watching Jermaine Taylor, and I said, Jermaine Taylor and Vadim Demidov both had bad games after the game we watched. Oh, I yeah. said, Jermaine Taylor, the thing about Vadim Demidov is you know he's not going to be this bad week in, week out. He's going to bounce back from this. <laughs> Jermaine Taylor, he's never going to be better I than that. I forgot about you remember this. remember that? Yes. Now, t- Taylor continues to not be great, but moving to center back, he's a hell of a lot better. Vadim yeah. Demidov was irredeemable, and... Uh, Holy Lord! Yeah, that's right. F F F. We can we can also agree on uh, Brent Coleman being uh, basically the breakout star of Minnesota United. I mean, break not breakout to like to us who uh, follow Minnesota United regularly, but as someone who's a capable uh, center back in MLS, nobody expected Brent Coleman to be that no, person. No, no, for maybe even like a year ago, people did not expect Brent Coleman to be that person. Right. I always had faith, Brent. I always <laughs> had faith. I know you listen to the podcast. I always had faith. 
so I, I, I'll give I'll give Brent a, a B plus or A minus depending on how much you want to weight oh, those a different minus, things. Baby. So you know, to find a place on Sporting, he'll probably find a place on a lot of MLS well, teams. Sporting is not MLS. Sporting is not the proper team to. No, no, that's not the right. I'm just trying to say what are the extremes here. He'll find a spot on a lot of MLS rosters as a starter. Um, I'm trying to think of how much he stands out just because of how much better he is than the alternative, you know. Uh, but certainly B plus A minus range. He's been he's he's been largely mistake free, and that has been our biggest problem. Is not that we don't have capable athletes out there. It's that we have people who are good for three dumbass decisions a game, and he makes fewer of those. That's true. Um, speaking of someone who ma- who has made dumbass decisions, and but he's uh, uh, bringing those down immensely. Um, Tiago uh, Calvo. Uh, he started out slow. Uh, yeah, um, um, Francisco Calvo. Franz- oh, sorry, not Tiago. Stuck in 2016. Tiago Cavano, yeah. Uh, Francisco Calvo, um, he started out really slow. He was giving up a lot of those dumbass mistakes. Um, but he has been immensely better. Uh, he keeps getting better pretty much every week. Um, he's not making many bonehead mistakes anymore. Maybe, you know, it's instead of like two or three a game, it's now down to like one a game. Um, which is steady, great. Yeah. Um, he finally scored last week, which is awesome because we—he's proven that he can do that in the Saprissa and at the international level. Like he's got a bunch of goals for Costa Rica uh, from that center back position, and he finally got one for us. So maybe that opens up another uh, potential um, opportunity for, especially on corner kicks and free kicks, where Minnesota has struggled for a while now, um, going back to the NASL days. Um, I give. Uh, Francisco Cabo a B minus in that he's he's now he's wearing the captain's armband um, he can put the ball in the back and then that he's been a steadying presence on the back line I'll, I'll give him a straight B I think that uh, I think he's a really like you said a steady presence on the back line we don't need phenoms we need a steady presence I think you would find a handful of MLS teams out there who if you said I will trade you Coleman and Calvo for whatever you've got as your starting center backs and they would take that trade any day yep and uh, so Im- imagine, imagine at the, after those first four games, us saying that, wow, one of our strongest suits is that center back pairing. Good <laughs> Lord. Uh, I'm interested in talking about Jermaine Taylor real quickly. Okay. He, he, he's yeah. the one I think we could probably give the most diverse grades on because his season has been so positively and negatively checkered. He's gotten enough minutes to say we know who he is, but also, um, you know, he's ostensibly not a starter. So um, what do you think about Taylor? I mean – I have to weight this based on his time at fullback as well as center back. So I give him a D plus. Sure. Um, it would have been an F minus just based on the first three or four games of the season where he's playing center back, which was clearly uh, inexcusable, terrible uh, play. Um, however, I'm still, and to, to be fair, I'm still amazed that he gets minutes with the Jamaican national team based on like what they've seen. Apparently they, they don't get television. Clearly they, yeah, Jamaica doesn't have TVs. Um, but that being said, and I'll you know admit he's been relatively serviceable in backup minutes at as a center back. Um, I'm I'm a little worried, you know, with the lack basically the lack of our center back depth that he might get more minutes than he he probably should deserve, and he gets exposed. Mm-hmm. Like, like honestly, your center backs shouldn't get subbed off often. Um, Jermaine Taylor's been getting some pretty substantial minutes at center back over the course of the last uh, several games. And so we'll see. We'll see what happens uh, when he actually has to uh, to provide that. And he, obviously he should be with Jamaica for a while on the Gold Cup. Cause let, us pray, let us pray. Let us pray. Root against Jamaica. Whoever's out there, root well, against Jamaica. Well, I mean, Jamaica's not 
a great soccer team. So we, I, it's scary to say this. We need them back. Root against I, I'm very also. I'm scared also to say that, but yes, we do. Yeah. We absolutely do. So here, here's uh, my thing right. about Taylor. It's okay to have a backup. You don't need. I, I, everybody wants like starting capable folks on, on as your well, backups, and of course that's the ideal. But it's okay to have competent backups, and I think Taylor has emerged as at least. I don't shudder when I see him come on. I say, all right, let's ride this out. Okay. That's okay. So, he's, he, okay. so I give him a C minus. You've got played out of position. I, I could easily be persuaded to give him D plus, but I mean, yeah. if, if he if if, if Jermaine Taylor had only played center back for the entire year, I probably would yeah move him up into the C right. C range. It's, but it's, it's what just he did, as including a the fullback. Yeah. So what do you, so what do you have to give the center backs overall? I give them a C plus. Uh, I got to do worse than that. Um, even as they've emerged as more competent, it's 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 got to be a C minus to a C range, probably a C minus range because even as steady as they get, they still have those bonehead kind of mistakes that causes tr- problems. That's right. Um, okay, uh, fullbacks. So this year so far in fullbacks, that mostly uh, Mark Birch, the aforementioned Jermaine Taylor, um, uh, Justin Davis has played a little bit there, Jerome Tisset, and uh, Kevin Venegas. All right, so if we're giving Taylor separate grades for center back and fullback, let me just get him a straight F right now yeah. as fullback. There's no way he should I didn't even put him fullback. on here because I'm just I'm just not even considering – his. He doesn't. Not, he not only doesn't in, have the talent to play fullback. I'm not giving him any sort of. Uh, He's not even consideration to fullback. Okay. I'm factoring his F minus F minus minus uh, play into, into my okay. into my overall grade, but Averaging I'm actually out. giving him uh, a uh, you know an actual grade there. Sure. So so let's let's start with that. What I think is probably the easiest one, uh, Jerome Tyson. Yes, absolutely. Uh, best non AS non NASL signing by United this offseason. Like with a bullet, um, he's been a very good fullback in MLS. He's been able to flip sides. He gives Minnesota literally, like l- literally, the only flexibility they have, like on this roster. He can go, he can play left or right. He's down for doing either one. Mm-hmm. Like ultimate team player, dude loves loves Minnesota, yeah, yeah, loves the USA. Dude. Like sign that man to a long term contract, yep. like immediately. Um, so yeah, he's clearly been the best player. Uh, probably actually been. The best uh, non NASL, uh, the non NASL non trades like the roster acquisition right. Minnesota has done this year. So certainly, it was uh, it was worth the wait. Um, so I, I'm I'm totally in on Tyson. I give him probably an A minus if I'm factoring in that comparing him to other uh, other fullbacks that are out there. Yeah. Um, but there's a heck of a lot of teams in MLS that would take him, and uh, I I want him to stay. I yeah. love the guy. Um, so let's move down to maybe the next. Uh, easiest one to judge would be Mark Birch. Yep. Um, my note here was Mark Birch was an amazing stent in the coronary angioplasty of this season. As in good he note. saved our fucking ass. Yep. Um, now whether he sticks around, whether he actually even wants to keep playing soccer uh, with his hernia surgery, I don't know. Um, I gave him a B minus, um, if only because I don't know if Mark Birch is actually going to stick around. For another year, um, so if he does, great. Um, but yeah, he he was he solidified a backline that or helped solidify a backline that was in fucking turmoil when yep. he came into the team. I had to say, I'm a, a B minus. He's not lighting the world on fire even before uh, obviously his injury. It sounds like he was playing with that that injury kind of building up on him for a while too. Yep. Lord knows how that might have impacted his play. We just didn't know it. But um, and it was yep. B minus. He was a perfect stopgap. Uh, that trade that landed him and Cronin. Holy cow! What a big deal that was. So um, I have thoughts on that trade though. 
later. Let's get there. Let's uh, and and let's talk about the two toughest guys to probably think about with fullback, which is uh, our first ever signings as an MLS team, Kevin Venegas and uh, Justin Davis. Who do you want to take first? Um, let's take Justin Davis. Um, Justin Davis has not. Uh, he's got a couple starts. Um, and Davis is a credible backup, but if he's getting more than fifteen or twenty minutes of you know mop up duty. Like that's what he should be expecting. Um, just as it, Justin Davis, and as much as I love Justin Davis and all he's done for Minnesota soccer, and, like he's been the face of the team for a long, for you know several years. Um, he's not MLS caliber in terms of starting, and if he's Certainly. getting, if he's getting more than fifteen or twenty minutes, um, then that's probably a bad sign for the team. Yes, agreed. He's not. He's not a starter. I don't mind having him as a backup. I don't cringe when he comes on. I do cringe when I see Kevin Venegas get on. So. I'm gonna give just I'm gonna give Justin Davis a D. Uh, not real great play. I'm looking at Kevin Venegas, and I although I always see these moments from Kevin Venegas that say, "There you go, there he is, there's the guy I know." Uh, overall, I've got to give him worse than Justin Davis because I think Justin Davis is steadier, and I think Kevin Venegas is very mistake prone. Okay. Kevin Venegas gets a straight up D minus from me. Wow. Yep. Interesting. I have a, I give Kevin Venegas a C plus. Um, I think he's been adequate in filling in. And I can see Venegas having more of a role in this team. Um, my big thing with Venegas is that I think he's way overmatched as a defender. Yes. I think Venegas has some opportunity in this team as a midfielder, as an attacking midfielder. We talked about wingbacks. Um, yeah, as a wingback. As a wingback. Yeah. Like, he would be perfect as a wingback. Um he doesn't defend super well, but if he's not, if that's not his first requirement to defend, he can he can defend. We've seen we've seen Kevin Venegas defend, and I think when he's employed in a role where he's more of a in that five three two or whatever five, whatever, um, he can be he can be a, a he can track back, he can defend, but he has explosiveness. His crosses are something to be desired. I think everybody knows that from Kevin yep. Venegas. Um, sometimes they're great. Sometimes they're they're terrible. Um, but I think he's more of a he has more of a role in this team than Jin, just, uh, Justin Davis does, unfortunately. As much you know, as it's I interesting. Love I, I'll, I'll give Davis. I'll give Justin Davis a higher grade because that's the position they've played and stuff like that. But I actually agree with you. I think that given a little bit of uh, positional variety, a little experimentation, we could find Kevin Venegas has more of a future on the team. But Given the play we've seen, the positions they've been, the cards they've been dealt, I got to give them a lower grade. Well, that's fair. Too many mistakes. Yeah, that's fair. So overall, what do you give the fullbacks? I, it's so diverse. Um, yeah. It's you know, a C. You've got that's basi- you, you've that's got ba- pretty that's good, what I have too, pretty good so. with Mark Birch, outstanding with Thiessen, and then two guys that I don't even want to introduce my daughter to. Yeah, um, it's tough. <laughs> yeah, that's, bas- and then that's basically what I have. Yeah, so. and then Jeremy Taylor, like. I thought about going like a D plus, but then I was like, well, Taylor, the Taylor experiment was so short. Um, it was so it was so terrible, but it was so short. They blew so. up the lab with that experiment. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about some midfielders. Um, we're like separating midfielders we and attackers. So midfielders that yeah. we are considering are uh, Sam Cronin, uh, Ibsen, uh, Ishjom, uh, Basham Kadre. Uh, Schuler, Warner, and Colin Warner spells his name weird. Colin Martin spells his name correctly. Um, 
Where do we want to start with the midfielders? Well, let's let's do it easy to easy to hard again if we had no <laughs> order. So yeah. let's talk Sam Cronin first. Part. Well, whoa, whoa, whoa. well, uh, easy Ibsen, to hard. Well, shut up. Ibsen and Cronin are probably both fairly easy to think about at least. So why, why don't okay. we start easiest easiest? Let's talk about Ibsen. Okay. His name is Ibsen. His name is Ibsen. It's true. His Hello. Only name. My name is Ibsen. Mayamo Ibsen. <laughs> um. But, you know, he had that really terrible uh, tackle yesterday. Should probably get him suspended for the next uh, the next game. But Ibsen's been absolutely superb. Um, yes. We all kind of thought he would play up to teammates in competition, but we weren't really sure. I did. Um, and he proved all of the doubters wrong. Um, I was a doubter. You were. I was proven wrong. I I kind of I kind of thought this, um, but the revelation for me for him has been like how he comes back on defense and just pickpockets people. Like that has been the revelation for for me for Ibsen. Like, and yep. he's probably he's he's probably not the most valuable player on the team because I think Ramirez has got ten goals. He's probably the best player. He's the most he's the most valuable player on the team. Yep. But the best player on the team for me is Ibsen. Is uh yeah he, he plays two ways. We don't have a lot of guys that play successfully. Oh two God, ways. we have like Ibarra would be another one probably. Ibarra maybe yeah. Um, so I I think that's crucial. I I see that Ben Bear uh, statistic float around all the time about how Ibsen has the highest um, the highest usage or utilization rate of all players in MLS which basically means that a proportion as a proportion of the passes that our team makes a disproportionate number fall to him we we rely on him for more passes per player on average than yeah. any other player on any other team that, that's there's good and bad things to that but at least he's not cracking under that weight he's still defending he is he is delivering the ball to where it needs to be Dude's got hustle. I remember the days we were talking about him just not being a 90-minute guy. And, um, yeah, I was wrong. Yeah. Straight up wrong. It was insane. Uh, a, a, a-, 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 minus. a minus. He's not Valeri. He's not Diego Valeri. I'll give him an A minus. He's uh, very, very good. Right, whatever. All right. Cronin. Um, he's he's obviously the next best piece about this. And for me, Cronin, um, that trade sort of obviously changed Minnesota's season. I think Minnesota yes. possibly could have gone in to be the worst team ever. But for that trade, well, we'll talk about that trade because I don't think that trade is as good for Minnesota as people think it is. Not um, when you long term. Look at how long no, term. no, no, long term, no. Um, but Cronin has stepped in. Um, he's been that solid rock, like the defensive midfielder right in front of the uh, back four. Um, he wore the captain's armband against Columbus. He's a calming presence. He counterbalances uh, what Ibsen does, and that he will stay. He will stay back so that Ibsen can roam forward. Yep. Get that shit. Um, and the fact that they uh, work together so well is so amazing. Yep. Um, you know, Paige and Colin Warner on, hey, maybe uh, don't just fucking roam forward all the time. Yep. As, a, as a pairing, perfect. Yes. They're a great pairing. Yeah. And I think just Sam Cronin on his own is a, is a, is a good, solid um, MLS player that Minnesota needed, a calming presence sort of in that, in that midfield yep. that they – they obviously they clearly lacked before the trade. Yeah, is is an amazing trade. So I, I'm giving Cronin a B plus, all things considered. Uh, really good, competent play. Um, but he's also he's also a quiet guy. He's he's not gonna make the impact on the game where you know he's scoring goals and he's he's making a surprise run. Now that he just he does his thing. He's a workman about it, and that's cool. Uh, let's get where it's trickier here. Midfielders. Um, why don't we – it's such a mixed bag after right. that. Let's move to Jome. Jome has probably seen as many minutes right. as any of these other guys. So let's, we talked about Jome a little bit, but give him a, give him a grade at what he's, at what he's done with what he's been asked to do. I got a, I got a D. 
he's I mean he's absolutely lost for like 85% of the game and then he does so he does have some amazing sort of spurts in games where he is moving the ball um, his pace is not what I would expect it to be for someone his age um, and I think he tries to overcompensate with that for like with with his dribbling which is below par which is surprising to me as someone I don't know he just he straight up attacks opponents and thinks that he can just dribble by them <laughs> well, as opposed to like passing off and then and then making runs like he doesn't make so I mean my biggest complaint with with Ish is that he just doesn't make runs he he thinks that he can just run at people with the ball get around him. and get around he's them got, he's got Venegas he's, syndrome he's well, uh, a little bit and he's a big dude so like maybe he thinks he can like bully them by just like running at them but if he could, if he could figure out a way to to pass and run, I think he might be unstoppable. But watching some of these guys like dribble at people and not realize that they're not good at dribbling is kind of like watching a dude at the Y playing basketball. I was like, dude, check this out, and he tries to dunk, and he comes up like obviously like a foot short. Like that's what <laughs> that's what watching these guys try to dribble. Yeah, I mean, at, like as I mentioned before earlier in the in that podcast, like my cat, like I literally throw a ball. And my cat has He's better dribbling it. skills than fucking Ish Jome does. And that's cat-like a cat-like reflexes. Well, he does not apparently, because he has, he has like dog-like reflexes. Which <laughs> is like, I'm gonna hit at it once and then maybe come back to it. My cat, like literally, my cat will like, pat, 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 and, and like run with the with a with a little ball, in its paws, like, ten yards, like through the through our apartment. Like we'll just bat it back and forth, it, and I'm like, doesn't keep his oh. head up though. Well, probably not. So. I think I think Zeller's cat so. will probably C minus for what the work he's done so far. Uh, that's a, obviously a physical the, talent, the, the but doesn't have a head for the, the game. Zeller kitten, yeah, mixtape yeah. discovery. Better than Jome, better than Jome <laughs> at least. So Jome, you know, I'll, yeah. I'll go in on a D with you there. Uh, interesting pick here, uh, Boshkim Kadri. What do you think about Kadri? Kadri, um, I'm gonna go C minus with Kadri. Um, he shown he showed some flashes early, and he. Whenever he's actually get it, he gets into a game. He shows flashes of being a relatively uh, talented uh, midfielder. Um, but that being said, he rarely gets onto the pitch, which leads me to something leads me to believe that something is not right in practice. So I do. I do think the dude needs a run out. He needs to be given the opportunity. I agree. Um, it, to, and I don't think he was as poor as, as some of our other hey, media counterparts. Maybe he ran out Kadri instead of Dunlady. You know, I, I well, we talked about Dunlady I mean, a moment. Clearly, clearly Kadri's not doing something in practice because why the fuck would you run out a guy who's just coming back from injury? There, I agree. Yeah, uh, you so, know, I, basically any given Saturday, I'd probably roll out Dunlady over Kadri. When Dunlady's bouncing back from injury, and I've got 17 dudes on the roster, I'm ge- I'm letting Kadri probably flex his legs a little yeah. bit. Exactly. So, Kadri, exactly. um, so you know, I'll go in on a D plus or a C minus for him, largely because I don't think he's been given the chance to succeed. I think that he's played in some groupings and with some. Ro- I think that he, his minutes came before we found that core, and I think you know the four, the four, That's two, true. three, one. That 100% is our most true, successful. Yeah. He didn't get quite a lot of minutes with that core. I'd like to see. That said, he also within what he, what he was asked to do. He's not tracking back and defending. We need more of that. Uh, that's not something that is tactics-based. That's just him choosing not to do that successfully. Um, he doesn't have, like, the speed of an Ibarra, or not, not that he's shown anyway. So 
it'd be interesting to see what he can do but hell maybe even in the hole maybe he's playing in that hole position we can't quite figure out I don't know nah. um, what about Rasmus Schiller um, alright again but for Demidov this might be the worst signing of the year for Minnesota United not, FC not good uh, and Bruce McGuire and I had a conversation about this when we, we were down in Kansas City for the Open Cup. I mean, I'm sure that Rasmus Schuler has completed more than 10 forward passes, but honestly, I can't remember you, 10. You have to do some research to find him. Yeah, I, I mean, and I watched the games, and I can't remember that he's completed 10 forward passes. Every pass from Schuler seems to be either, uh, you know, straight across or backwards. And... That's not what you want from uh, uh, what should theoretically be an attacking midfielder. Right, and he, you know, I had Schuler lined up to be what Ibsen would become. He was going to be that um, number eight kind of in the middle of the field. Yeah. He's going to be this more of a box-to-box dude. He's not going to be a number 10. He's not going to be making that final pass, but he's connecting the defense to the offense. And what it turns out being is he won't track back and defend. So that's one, you know, talking about a two-way guy. Well, that's one way it's not working. He's not making aggressive enough passes. He's not He's not making link-up play. He's not seeing runs other people are making, particularly from, uh, say, our wingers. Um, he's he's not going after 50-50s. I, I just don't see – I don't. I, where's the value? I, I, I keep expecting to see where's the guy they saw, and I can't think of a single facet of his game where, you know, like even Joan, we're like, well, at least, he's, at least he can run fast. You know, at least he was getting in there, even though he couldn't put the ball in front of him. You know, he was getting involved. I can't even say any of those things about Schuler. No, absolutely not. This is why I gave him a D. I mean, probably should be a D minus, but yeah. Yep. So I, I, gave him a D. I, I gave him a straight D. Okay. Um, let's wrap it up with. Uh, I mean, we could talk Ooh, about Martin, but our, Martin's got what 15 minutes. With so us. yeah, so I gave I gave uh, Colin Martin an incomplete because what the hell does can he do to get know, on the yeah. pitch? God. Fucking damn it. Yep. Um, but hey, we, we're forgetting about our friend Colin Warner. Uh, nobody could possibly forget about him. Um, what you what you give uh, Colin Warner? So, side note about Colin Warner, I don't know what his position is. I don't know what his best expression of his talent is. I think Colin is. Warner knows what his position no, is. No, no. And even when he's asked to do one thing, it's he ends great, up going out there and trying to do another thing. A so, great thing that our, our coach conveys unto our players. Right. If So, here's my thing. Based on what he was asked to do uh, early in the season as central, uh, uh, as a sort of center defensive midfielder, and then later on as a sort of auxiliary box-to-box midfielder, basically an Ibsen-type kind of player, um, he d- when he was playing defensive midfielder, he was trying to do the Ibsen thing. When he was asked to do the Ibsen thing, he roams. Uh, he wa- no, roams makes it sound like he's going somewhere with a purpose. He wanders. I, he, he's going places. He doesn't know how to find the other folks, and they don't know how to find him. There's no great link-up play there. Um, I just I, I don't know where's his best position or how to utilize him, but what he's been asked to do, easily a, easily a D. All right. I can, I can boil my, down, my Warner uh, sentiments down to one sentence or two sentences or a sentence with a question mark in it. Um, do you want someone to run around like a chicken with their head cut off in the midfield? Boy, do I have a player for you? Yeah, right. I just—it's there's an aimlessness, there's a wanderingness to it. I just, yeah, C minus only because he score a goal uh, in New England. It's a good looking, which goal. is actually a good looking goal. 
I was really excited about. I was like, oh yeah, oh, maybe, he had no maybe, maybe he figured it out. Maybe he figured it out. But and he was playing. He, he was playing defensive midfielder that game. Yeah, I know. Right? I, I don't mind guys playing out of position to create an overload position. Yeah. But no, he just ran. He, he yeah. wasn't like, oh, let's do this, and somebody's gonna cover for me. He just was like, I'm yeah. going because I've been drinking. Yeah. It. So what's your overall uh, midfielder grade? Oh Christ. Uh, so I, so here, let, let me t- let me tell you mine because because maybe it, yeah, this, maybe this sure. will help you out. So I broke it down. So. When Cronin and Ibsen are the midfielders, I actually give it an A minus. I think she think this is a, a not terrible midfield sure. with Cronin and Ibsen. If it's if it's anybody else like Cronin, Warner, Ibsen, whatever, it's a D plus. That's pretty much true. I, let me just double down on it. That's fine. Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing we saw with the fullbacks. Is like the the difference between our haves and our have nots yeah. is so steep. So I think when Cronin and Ibsen are in the midfield, it's 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 an A minus, maybe B plus. But anybody else, like anybody else, like Cronin, Warner, yeah, Ibsen, whomever, it's it's a fucking it's a shit show. So, yep. Okay. All right, let's talk about the attackers. Yeah, we'll close up with attackers. Yeah. So, so we have uh, Abu Dhabi, Miguel Ibarra, Kevin Molino, Christian Ramirez, and Johan Venegas. What do you want to start with? Um, let's start with Ramirez. We keep starting yeah. with the easiest to call. Uh, Ramirez has shown he can get it done at this level. Um, I like, and I talked about this last week, I like the diversity of the, the ways that he's scoring goals. He's not just doing Wondolowski cleanup work, and he's not just scoring wonder goals. He's not just taking a 1,000 shots. It just happens by chance to have enough go in. You know, he's, he's uh, I don't know, He's every goal looks different than the one that came before it. He's got great poise. Uh, he's the face of the organization now, so that's great. I do think that he could improve his finishing still. I mean, I'm trying to be, if Christian is listening to this, like, more touters. Like, that's not what that is. Like, I think he probably could uh, finish a little better, and I think that when he's not getting service, I think he could find ways to uh, create value, whether it's using his presence to pull other players and create space for others, or simply to find ways to drop back and find the game in other ways I think he has an opportunity to do that. Um, but I don't know how to call it anything other than, uh, I guess, an, an A or an A minus. Probably an A minus now, I suppose. Um, <clears throat> yeah, no, I 100% agree with all that, actually. A minus, you literally like, basically like, hit all my bullet points here. Um, he can compete at this level, um, which I really love that he keeps getting snubbed for the U.S. team because that keeps giving him motivation. Um, he's the best striker, in, like, best American striker in MLS right now, bar none. Um, even, you know, you Dom Dwyer nerds. He's better than Dom Dwyer at striking. Um, but you're right. He does – he does uh, – my, my one complaint with Chris Ramirez is that he does take – it's a really weird complaint because he does – he takes so many shots. He's really fucking aggressive. And we've seen Ramirez be able to distribute as well. I don't, I don't think Ramirez you, has many assists this year. So we've seen him, him be able to, like, pull the ball down – and distribute to somebody else. You'd to like take to see more of that. Maybe. Maybe. I think I, I really like that he's aggressive and he's taking shots and he's taking shots from everywhere and he's getting goals from everywhere but for the penalty spot. Adrian Heath. Yeah. Um <laughs> so I like that he's getting goals from all the place. Like he like that goal against NYCFC was like I think that's first like sort of like like scrappy goal he just got where he like the ball was like bounced off and he was got a poacher's goal poachers, po- poachers kind of goal you know so I that's, love that that's its own type of skill yeah I love the that right I, position at the right time I love that he's I love that he's uh, getting into the position 
doing things he needs to do to, to score goals. I think he's going to get 20 goals which this year, which is way more than I thought. He, I thought I was like, well, maybe That'd 12 or 13. Happened, yeah. yeah, I think he's going to get 20 goals this year, um, and we'll see. Um, so we got A minus for Ramirez. I have so an I have uh, an A minus for Ramirez as well. Let's so let's talk about Kevin Molino. Eh. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm curious I mean, what man means. Well, Molino for me has been a disappointment. Okay. Um, for the amount of money that we spent on him, and for uh, Adrian Heath's uh, knowledge of Molino, I figured we would get a better Molino than we've gotten. Um, he's been a disappointment. He is playing out on that right wing, but he just he always gravitates in towards the center to to the ten position that falls or that false striker role. Um, and there's some games where he's effervescent. He's always there. He's making a lot of uh, making a lot of runs. And then there's just swatches of games where he's just fucking invisible. And I can't figure out why. I do think he's a dude who can have a, he can have a bad game here and there. That's for sure. Like, you know, there's some people who like they don't have the effervescent games, but they're not ever like Jesus, that was piss poor. He can do that, but uh, the games that he's on, I, I really like him. I, honestly, I'm giving him uh, a B or a B plus. I think he's been one of our most important players. Uh, I think that he's a guy who can dribble around guys. I think he's got pace. I don't mind him playing more centrally because I think we're built to have that kind of overlapping fullback. And, and then you need your winger to play a little bit more centrally to take advantage of the seams that that fullback creates. I, so I, I don't mind him playing more centrally. I don't think he's a number 10. Well, uh, I mean, yeah, he's not a number 10, though. That's, that's kind of the point is that. It'd be great if we had number ten, that's um, but he's yeah. not number ten. I, and okay. so, like, I mean, I, I don't know. I give him a B minus. I'm not. I'm not like super uh, upset about Molino. I just think he, he, he's supposed to be playing out on the right, and he like swoops into that number ten role, which he doesn't really actually have, which leaves us exposed on the right. Certainly. Yeah. So. So what do we think about um, Miguel Ibarra? Huge preseason signing. Club favorite, fan favorite. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, this, we're recording this after the Columbus game and after Heath left him on the bench. Uh, so, I don't know. I'm a little bit higher on Anabara than most people are, I think, um, in that I think he's getting a, a – I think he's getting a, a, a rough go from, from Adrian Heath. Um, it clearly took him a while to get his fitness back because of his time in, in Mexico. And I think we all kind of expected that. We were all hoping it would come back sooner rather than later. Sure. Um, but I think much like Heath not starting Ramirez in the, uh, in the season opening match, I think he wanted to hold off and waiting on actually giving Ibarra a full run out. So I think Heath has stunted what Ibarra could have done this year um, by holding him back. And Again, this whole this this whole last like after the last game, I just I can't believe that Miguel Ibarra, kn- knowing Miguel Ibarra, and I've I've met Miguel Ibarra, I've watched Miguel Ibarra like practice, like the fact that this dude is not running a hundred percent all fucking game says something. Maybe it's not necessarily about uh, his fitness, but about something else. Um, talking about attitude or whatever? Well, or maybe his feelings about the coaching staff or something. I don't know. 
There's a rift growing there, maybe. Uh, I, so I, I mean, I, mean, I, I give Miguel Ibarra a B minus, because maybe I'm higher on Miguel Ibarra than most. He hasn't been as great as he was in NASL, but I think um, he's shown all the things that he needs to show. Yep, I'm, I'm right about the the B minus B range. Uh, uh, I think he's good. I I think that his game is different than it was in NASL. So if you thought it was just going to be the uh, Sterling playmakers dribbling around, guys doing creative stuff. I think that his time in Mexico, he, he learned different skills, especially when he was asked to play defensive roles and stuff down there. Um, he plays he plays as a two-way winger now. He's much more likely to uh, to hang out wide and then deliver crosses. I, I like the Molino, uh, the Molino. I like the Ibarra that we saw in preseason, where the you know remember when Molino and Ibarra were overlapping positions. I mean, it was just chaos. It was just this beautiful, beautiful chaos of uh, creating overload situations. I kind of liked that fluidity. Yeah, but and I, I think that. I was, I was saying, I think that's. I think that part of that is is that's Heath does not like that. I know he doesn't, and I think it's too bad that we've uh, we've gotten away from it. I think it'd be a great use of Ibarra. I um, agree. So and, and Ibarra always played defense in in Minnesota. Like oh, he sure. Was, he was always a two way defender or two way player in Minnesota. Like he would always attack, and he would always be one of the, like one of the people back defending. You'd be like, oh yeah, that someone's kicking a ball, and then yeah, Ibarra's like making a slide tackle and like knocking the ball out like. So that's not something new to Ibarra. I think uh, Adrian Heath has really stunted his development in terms of like what he can do. Well, we're, ab we're about to get to the coaching there, so let's yeah. let's wrap up our attackers here. We'll talk uh, about Abu Dunladi next. Um, we were wondering where he was going to get minutes, and he, he's turned out to get minutes. Yeah, uh, give him a C plus. Uh, he's been a roller coaster of emotions. Um, the kid has some, obviously some growing up to do mentally. Uh, but he has shown that he can score in MLS, and that's a pretty impressive thing for someone who is like 21 years old. Um, he, he's like he's clearly like the best of the super of the super draft uh, class so far. Yeah, but it's definitely looked that way so far. So, uh, the question is, is he going to stay healthy? Which was the question he, yeah. before we even drafted him. Yep. Uh, and and I, I'd like to see the, the connection continue to improve. He, he's playing like a rookie. He's getting minutes now, right? He's uh, There's ups and there's downs and there's learning yep. curves and there's stuff like that. So, uh, you know, I'll give him a straight C plus probably. But I'm, I'm, I'm happy with where he's at yeah. more than anything. And finally, probably the hardest one to talk about, Johan Venegas. Um, where do you rate what he's done? He has off days. He has uh, on days. Um, so for me, Johan Venegas is, he's not a complete disappointment, especially since we traded, uh, the number one pick in the, uh, uh, expansion draft for him. Um, but he's so fucking frustrating sometimes. Like he has brilliant passes and movement and then oftentimes looks like just sullen and frustrated. Yep. Um, doesn't really play defense. And his pouting and leaving the team uh, earlier in the season didn't really do him any favors in the fans' eyes, and maybe it was just he, something he needed to do. Um, he tries to play in that 10 role. He's definitely not a 10. And so, I mean, Johan Venegas had these issues uh, in Montreal um, when they were trying to play him on the wing, and the thought was like, well, if, he, if we play him in the 10, his his role that he wants to play in he'll be more satisfied he clearly is not so i don't i don't know i mean i think he's probably a uh, a perfect person to try and uh get something out of on a, at a trade over the uh 
if, uh, if, if we had, if we had the depth to part ways with him, then then you might be right, depending on what what we're getting in return for him. But yeah, I get I give him a C minus for a lot of the same reasons. He's another guy. I don't know what his position is. We we knew with Montreal that it wasn't on the wing. Now we're playing him more centrally. Uh, well, he's not a number ten. He's I guess it must be as a second striker, but. He's not doing stuff that a second striker can do. He's not making the runs that create the space. He's not. I, I don't know. I don't know where his position is. I don't know where he's going to succeed. That's fair. Um, let's move away from the, the so attackers. Uh, the attacking core on the whole. What's your grade? I, I'll, I'll um, throw this out there. I've got. I've got a B. I think it's one of our strong suits. Um, I think we have a good attacking core. It's not Portland, but uh, um, I'm happy with where we are as an expansion team with our top. All right four guys nominally let me blow your mind right here i think it's a b plus at home and a c minus on the road oh we can play that you can do that with every team they all look the same well no but i think it's i think we, we definitely look better in attacking at home well, and are terrible on the road and which is a actual to your points earlier a complete mistake we need to be attacking on the road yeah unfortunately yeah, we're not the bunker people unfortunately so Let's move on to uh, the coaching staff. So um, okay. I, I'll be honest with you, I, you've, you've included some names on here like Marius Rovdi and stuff, and I, I don't see enough behind the scenes to tell you that their goalkeeping coach is doing a good job of doing goalkeeping coaching. I mean, so maybe so, you can talk to so it, here's but the thing. I can only talk to you about uh, So um, let me talk about Marius uh, Rovdi first. Um, I think that dude has worked miracles with Bobby Shuttleworth. Oh, sure, yeah. Um, and so I give him a lot of credit for that because Bobby Shuttleworth was a basically league average goalkeeper before he came to, to Minnesota. And he's he's been standing on his fucking head. And I don't know if that's because of Rovda. Um, I, want to, I want to believe in that. Um, considering that, you know, if presuming Adrian Heath stays in this team for a, a while longer, like Rovda and then Ian Fuller and Mark Watson. So the, the st coaching staff is Adrian Heath. Obviously, he's the, he's the gaffer. Uh, Rovda's the, the goalkeeping coach. Ian Fuller and Mark Watson are both assistant coaches. Ian Fuller was with uh, Adrian Heath in Atlanta City two years ago. Um, my big things with the, with the coaching staff is that, um, and this is partially like related to the front office, this first one is that we only have 27 we have 30 spots available on our roster for players we only have 27 of those spots filled which leads to short benches that's a coaching decision and also partially a front office decision but that's frustrating to me and in, in, in actuality we have 26 because we have a medical hardship uh, spot that is filled with one of those so and then, I don't know, can we, let's talk about the tactical decisions in-game and pre-game. Mm -hmm. um, this team has changed formations multiple times. Never, or almost never for, for the good. And the other, uh, the other thing I want to talk about is, like, the lack of subs that Adrian Heath does. So, what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> There's a lot of questions. So let's, talk about, let's talk about lack of subs first. Do that one first. Yeah, everybody, everybody likes to have a big, hot, wet orgasm about talking about the lack of subs. There's nothing people like to talk about more. I, I, I think that Heath should sub more. I think he should sub at better times. I also don't think it's as big a deal as people make it out to be. And I also think that we have a terrible bench, and it makes it a very hard decision for him. Uh, so I'm not quite as panicky about it. But I'll just give you the next five minutes to uh, unload on that. Uh. <laughs> do what you got to do. All right. So 
so. The lack of subs. My Literally, my wife has created a workout regimen based on how many subs Adrian Heath actually puts out. So she only has to do like one sit-up a day? Well, it's basically, it's like if, she, if he puts out all three subs, she has 50 push-ups. And it goes down from there based on how many. So if he puts out two subs, I think it's like 25. And then one sub is like 10 or whatever. Okay. Which is a great workout regimen. Um, I... The way it wouldn't it would not bother me so much as the way in fact the way that Adrian he talks about his use of subs and his use of the roster and that he's trying to punish players and punish people for like being bad at their job. I mean that's to me that's the biggest thing. I don't if you want to only have one sub whatever. I listen, I live through the Jurgen I keep living through Jurgen Klopp. Liverpool, where he will uh, like often not use all three of his subs, and we just rail and rail and rail, and it's like, well, okay, guy wins shit. Um, Adrian, he hasn't won shit in a long time. True. Sorry to say that uh, to you, uh, uh, Austin uh, Aztec fans um, and Orlando City uh, proper fans. Um, he hasn't won shit in a long time. And so trying to make a point about things, I guess. I don't know. By not subbing your entire, your entire, as many subs as you possibly can, um, is one thing. Now he also has had a short bench many times, not of his own accord, um, but he's also partially responsible for recruiting of the players and things like that. So he's not entirely like unresponsible for the things that he is. You know, the situations he's put himself in. Certainly not. So, the fact that he refuses to sub in people when they are getting the shit kicked out of them, in terms of like, I'm going to prove a point to these players that they fucked up, which he's basically said multiple times. I find that really, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm stressed. I'm distressed by that. Like that's a really terrible thing to do. Um, it's a poor man management strategy. It is, and it's not great for morale. This whole thing is about man management, and and then t so so that's the lack of subs thing. Changing formations. He's Adrian Heath has said that he wants to like run a certain formation, and yet we've seen how many different formations from Adrian Heath in the last six months? Well, plenty. Plenty of different formations, including this uh, 5 4 one, which is which was not a 5 4 one, but whatever. Uh, and then we've seen a, a 3 5 or 3-5-2 down in Kansas City for the Open Cup. And I, I, I'm not 100% sure that this man is is the right man to, uh, to manage this team anymore. Really? Yeah. Was, was there a particular breaking point uh, where that kind of occurred to you? Not really. Just that fact that he has no concept of what this team probably should look like. And that's possibly, you know, possibly there's some Manny and Amos stuff going on back there too, but... I I think that my, my opinion of Heath is that 
I think as an in-game tactician, he's very poor. And I think as more of a macro tactician, thinking about the way the team is going to head and evolve and stuff, he's actually not terrible. So here, here's some things I'll think about. They put out a roster that was largely the result of front office work uh, to, to, to start the season. It was very poor. Uh, he's on board now, and, and, and working with the front office, they bring in great stop gaps like that trade with Colorado. Um, you know, I think probably the Thiessen uh, trade was in work for uh, uh, signing was in the works for a little while, so that's fine. Um, I think that he has, after those grave first performances, I think he's found ways to use players to a better effect. I think a, a move to a 4-2-3-1 with the players and the positions that they're at, and my nominal 4-2-3-1, by the way, has Ramirez up top, probably Dunlady in the hole at this point. Molito on the right, Ibarra on the left, and then everybody behind it is probably obvious. Um, if you think about the move to those players playing those positions compared to what it looked like in those first few games, I think he's made macro-level decisions that have taken a terrible team and made them watchable. Um, I think he... That, is he perfect? No. I think as an in-game tactician, I think not only does he make subs, not ideally, I'm not, again... I, I don't need to take an hour and a half to talk about his subs. I know everybody wants to, but I think he also responds tactically poorly to what he's seeing the other team do. Um, I think about the Kansas City game that we all went to down there on the bus. We started off okay with a high press. Kansas City figured out the high press and said, hey, we're going to counter press on that, and we're going to not allow you to do that. And then Heath was just like, well, that was my one trick, and then did no tactical um, you know decision to, to overcome that. He didn't keep playing the chess match. So... Uh, I think he's a terrible in-game tactician. I think he's okay at a macro level. I think it'd be interesting to see what he did as a technical uh, director, more of a, uh, a Manny Lagos role for a team. But uh, so, I'm not ready to fire him yet. I think he sees the year out. But uh, Oh, God, I'd, I'd fire him tomorrow. I know you would. We can disagree I mean, I'd fire him yesterday. Okay. Listen, and this is partially on the front office, we don't have our full complement of players. We have... 27 players on our roster. I think it's much more on the front office. Than and only 26. But that's 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 on Adrian Heath to to advocate for himself and say, listen, I need more players in this fucking pool of people. How like how is that? That's that is clearly that's on the front office. Yes, I agree, 100. percent But the coach who is part of that front office should should actually absolutely say, listen. Even if they are fucking USL players or whatever, like I need players that I can bring in. I, I mean, think and that and, and that is that is the biggest the biggest problem for me with with the coaching. Like, actually, I think uh, Rovda has done an amazing job with Bobby Shuttleworth, um, and I think actually, you know, giving if if Alboja had been given the the you know the opportunity that Shuttleworth did with the, the players that were in front of him. Probably would have done the same thing with Alboja. Um, but but for that, like, the tactical decisions that Heath makes in-game are baffling. Um, the roster changes and, and, and the lineup changes that he makes pre-game are con consistently baffling. This is D-plus, and... and I don't want to, I, I never want to advocate for a like firing of a coach, but God damn it, I'm close. So it sounds like you're extremely because I, 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 I give him more time. I would like to see in working with the front office what the team starts to look like as it fills out its depth, uh, as, as it, it, it puts players behind it. My personal opinion is that 
I don't know enough about the workings of a relationship between a coach and a front office that says I can tell you that Heath isn't advocating for more people. And honestly, frankly, I don't think you do either. I, I don't think we know that he's not advocating. Um, clearly, he doesn't have the staff he needs. I don't know how much of that is his fault and how much is not. He's brought in late in the game. I think the club that he was dealt at that very outset, he had some hand in. I think the front office had their irons in the fire before he got there too. So mixed bag there. I think he's I think he's fixed holes and I think that counts for something but I think the real test is going to be this next transfer winner it's his, it's his team he has all the advocacy in the world he could expect to have with the front office now it's not like when he got signed on we're like well we got some guys already and we've already got these irons in the well, fire and you've got a month good to luck be, to be fair this, this hold on this window is going to be the test of you're now totally integrated with the team what can you do I 100% disagree with you there because the only players that were signed on when uh, when Heath took over were Justin Davis That's, and Kevin Venegas. That is completely semantic because a signing doesn't just happen. Like, they don't reach out to him one day, say, hey, do you want to join? And they sign that afternoon. These are, like, I keep calling them irons in the fire that were there before he joined. And some so, of them. So Not also, of them, also Ramirez. Them. Okay, cool. Um, so other players. I would, again, I would you are, don't know enough about what's happening there I don't to say either, that I this don't, iron was that hot at that let's, point. Uh, yeah. That's, but let's get pissed about it. It's, it's fine. Uh, all right. Well, let's, so what do you give the uh, what do you give the coaches? The coaches uh, uh, probably probably a D. Uh, uh, I can't I cannot give coaches an F because um, I do not not because of the roster stuff that they, they have enough of a hand in that, but because I can't overlook the fact that they took a very sinking ship and found ways to take the limited pieces they had and paint them into something which I think our starting eleven is respectable ish. The, Pretty the, the, okay. The, the good starting eleven. The uh, good starting yeah, eleven. The starting eleven I, of the last two weeks. I get last that two games. you need depth. That, that yeah. your starting eleven is not going to be the eleven you get every week. I've watched the league long enough. I get all those the semantics, but the starting eleven that we prefer is not bad. And I think that's been the work of them finding the right positions for them. That said, you can't go higher than a D. This is uh, a team that's underperforming. Yeah, actually, I'm a little bit higher. I said D plus. <laughs> it wasn't the worst thing in the world. Well, and you're looking but at those other those role coaches and seeing a lot of value. In yeah, that. I actually, it, yeah, I, I am. Be. So, all right. So, uh, let's talk about the front office. Uh, front office being uh, the, the Manny Lagos, the Amos McGee, the Nick Rogers. Uh, the front office generally, which is includes a lot of other people. Um, let's talk about some of the good things. So, as of Last week, the average attendance is uh, 20,115, which is probably actually closer to between 18 and 19 based on uh, that, that big first game. That big first game. Yeah. Um, so that's great. Let's, let's talk about the good things. Um, okay. <laughs> there are good things. Yeah. So, that, so that's, that's a great thing. Like, if, if we're averaging, if this team and this team said 18,411 like or something like that last, last night. Um, there was not 18,000 people there. There's obviously uh, close to uh, close to 12,000 season ticket holders now, which is great. Those are awesome things. Right. Um, the stadium, fine. Like we're gonna have a, a soccer-specific stadium. That's awesome. That's a big thing. Um, so those are the the good things. Um, do you have any other good things to add to to that? Um, the so. Y- Every game plays, every team plays the, well, is it butts and seats or is it tickets that we threw in the garbage because nobody would take them for free on the, like every team plays that. Um, I'm, I'm fine with our attendance. I'm fine with where our season tickets are. I, th- I think from a marketing standpoint, we talked about it earlier in the season, 
they could have gotten out a lot stronger there, done some more creatively energizing things in the community. Uh, they, di they didn't take that advantage. They'll give you a million reasons under the sun for that. Um, for me, the biggest question is what they did with the personnel that they found. And uh, we haven't talked about that yet. So uh, can we transition into personnel? That's uh, what oh, the front uh, office did with yeah, the Yeah, I was just saying the, the only – sort of the only, like, the, the front office, like, marketing thing was, like, just how, how much they fucked up. I, I think the it was marketing a of this team. A lot of energy around uh, what could have been, and it yeah. didn't pan out. All right. So, yeah, so what's – well, there's other issues about the team uh, marketing-wise. Um, but let's talk about uh, what they did on the front office in terms of signings. Um, they did not do good. The <laughs> no, they didn't. Here's, here's my thing about that. Not only did they bring in guys that they totally misestimated the value of them – obvious roles include Vadim Demidov and Bashkim Kadri and stuff like that. Um, but the value that they placed on guys tells me that they, they, they are not strong at valuing talent. Even if they're strong or we get observing it, they don't know how to value it. Even if they saw the very best versions of Demidov and we didn't see it, we don't know what they scouted, we don't know what kind of logic they used to say, this is the guy we want, give him the captain's band. Not, it couldn't have said something that says give this guy over a half million dollars. Given a goalkeeper that's unproven in MLS, you know, two hundred some odd thousand dollars a year, not a thing that you need to be doing. Um, you can look up and down the you know you can look up and down the roster and make similar comments about a lot of people and say where did you come up with that number? Why that number? That is a big problem to me. Obviously, the signings that they chose, the European signings, largely bust. But we can't overlook the fact that these guys found Tyson. They found Calvo. Um, Molino obviously came with Heath. I, I, I feel like Molino was a good get, and they're willing to splash cash for him in a relative sense, more than I thought this team was going to be willing to, 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 to do. And they brought N NASL guys. They weren't afraid to bring in NASL guys that were unproven but turned out to be the right call. You can't overlook that stuff. But um, signings, trades, well, not all, largely like not, poor. Not all the NASL guys. And they went, I mean, they no. went like two for six in international signings. Calvo, Tyson. Of course, absolutely. Sure. After Kadri, Schuler, Demidov, Aboja, steep drop. Like they went, they went one for three in international signings. Cool. You can't really do that. Um, and then in non, like all their like non-international, non-NASL acquisitions, they were like four for twelve. Like they they got Ibarra, Cronin, Birch, and Shuttleworth. Those are good. And then you Ibarra, got Ibarra, but but. But you, you, you gave up Gat, you gave up Saeed. This is this is bringing me back to like the um, the tra the yes, please. Uh, that trade that sent Saeed Mohammed Saeed that they had drafted in the expansion draft from Columbus right. and Josh Gat, who is an American. Um, if people don't know, Josh Gat is is actually he's a really fucking fast American forward. Young um, guy. He's had yeah, young guy who's had just a lot of uh, injury and so he's a risk and Minnesota brought him in they put him on the roster they traded him and Mohamed Saeed um, to Colorado for Mark Birch and Sam Cronin and Birch and Cronin solidified the team but at what expense um, it was Mark, Birch has, fix, yeah. Mark Birch has uh, has just had hernia, hernia surgery um, so I'm not even sure Mark Birch plays in MLS soccer, in soccer ever again. And Sam Cronin is old. I mean, he's not, I mean, both, like, 
Saeed, I believe, was like 23, and Josh Gatt is like 22. So we traded a 23-year-old and a 22-year-old for uh, fixes now for a, a, a 31-year-old and a guy who's also, I think, 32 or 33, who may never play soccer again. Right. So, yes. like, so the, yeah, we won that trade in in the short, in the short term, term. Yeah. But you know, Gat and Saeed are playing for the the Crapids right now. Um, so I'm not sure. Does does this front office know what the fuck they're doing? That's my question. <laughs> Do, does this fucking front office know what they're doing? Here's what I so I think about I think about the owner, um, Bill McGuire, and I think about the president, Nick Rogers. These, these are not guys who come from soccer. Uh, I would love to see uh, guys like Manny Lagos do, you know. Um, Amos McGee do. I would like to see them uh, expand the infrastructure of uh, scouting. I'd like to see them add more talent so they can have eyes in more places, have a broader conversation about valuing guys and things like that, think more about long-term uh, solutions and stuff rather than all of this stuff falling on the shoulders of, say, just Manny Lagos, which it seemed to uh, at the beginning. And uh, I think by adding that talent, you're going to displace the need for soccer-specific knowledge from the very top of the house and you're going to take a little bit of the weight off of Manny. And so Manny doesn't have to just rely on the things that matter to Manny. Same with Amos McGee. Um, I think you've got a diversity of opinion. You can hopefully uh, uh, keep more eyes on more guys and make more well-informed decisions with more voices at the table. That's what I would like to see. Okay. But yeah, for what they did, yeah, there's uh, more, more missteps than you can count. Yeah. I mean, there were so, so many, like, NASL, Minnesota, yeah, like, Minnesota United holdovers, um, like you know, Stefano Pino just scored for Miami FC in the in the uh, Open Cup. JC Banks has been tearing it up in NASL. Many other uh, Spees, yeah, Spees, Ben Spees. Um, I mean, it, so I'm just not sure that this front office has the, the like, like they obviously have, have identified the talent, but. Can they keep identifying that talent uh, going forward? And the other thing I want to point out is like people keep talking about the turnaround time. They only had they only had six months to do this all thing. Bullshit. Yeah. Fucking bullshit. Yeah, That's a like bullshit that. argument. It's a fucking bullshit argument. Um, this team knew they were going to MLS two years ago. They didn't. Yeah. They they did things to. Uh, to identify that, but they didn't do anything actually really yeah, to even if you can't pinpoint the guys two years ago because you're still figuring out budget solutions and you're still you don't know who's gonna be available at that time. You can do things to your club to make it MLS ready. And I talked about infrastructure. I'm talking about building out your scouting infrastructure. I'm talking about putting pieces in place, you know, again, infrastructure it doesn't even have to be the guys you end up signing so long as you've got the pieces to hit the ground, a marketing infrastructure. You've had an NASL marketing infrastructure. I get the budget's going to change and stuff like that. I'm what are you doing to get infrastructurally ready to have a, a seismic marketing department? I'm not, to even, make a I'm not even talking about fucking marketing infrastructure on, on this one. Like they clearly identified players. I mean, maybe I'm completely fucking wrong here, but they identified players like like Stefano Pino and Lance Lang who might be able to make the jump to MLS and they signed those fucking players two years ago and I mean yes they should be they should have been doing it and they they clearly did not do any of the marketing shit or any of the like other shit they right. should be doing they, they clearly identify I mean Manny Lagos clearly identified those players of people that were potentially MLS caliber players 
JC right. Banks, the Ben Spees, all those players. Right. Jace, you know, um, you know, uh, Jabrowski, things like players like that, brought them in, and then they literally did almost nothing with those players. They didn't bring any of the players that they signed it before twenty, you know, before twenty sixteen. Like all the players that came up with the team were player like uh, other than I think Ishjom. Probably remember the season that and we had last year, though. I mean, like well, but still, like clearly identified these players as potentially MLS caliber players. Now, whether like I know they were like waiting on the MLS, you know, affiliation or whatever. Officially, you clearly brought these players in. You had a mind and on yeah. as potential MLS players, right? You've got one eye down the road. So either you didn't, or you, or either you, you know, either you did or you didn't. For for me, for this Minnesota United, uh, oh, we only had four months to get our shit together. Bullshit. You had two fucking years to get your shit together. Yeah, I, I do agree. That's never been, uh, never been a complaint. That um, I found a lot of yeah. Favor with. Anyways, so I don't know, man. Like, what do you give the front office? Uh, an F. I started oh, right off. And with it. we didn't. You know, listen, we didn't even talk about uh, all the other shit that the banner, like the recent banner issues, the fact that this team um, just kowtows or like diverts to oh uh, politically correct things when it comes very, to like banning they play a banners very safe and, and conservative with stuff like that. Like yeah. fuck, fuck this, fuck you, fuck this team. I'm sorry. So yeah, what do you give this team? What do you give the front office? It's uh, still an F. Okay, I still give the front good. I gave them a D minus, so I'm <laughs> I'm actually a little bit better because I I think some of the signings were actually not terrible. So oh yeah yeah, I tried to give my my uh, point out the things I did that, that I think they did well, but we'll we'll see what comes next. All right, all right. So uh, the last thing is uh, us. Yeah. What do you give us? What do I give us? Uh, <laughs> I so. It's been it's been a, like a ton of fun. I didn't think that we, you know, it's one of those things we had to know if we'd get this off the ground. And um, God no, and we did. And what? I didn't think we would either. Yeah, it's just one of those things you talk about, you know, it, it, and it never comes to fruition. But we did it. You know, we put the money into it. We put clearly a lot of time into it now, and we're uh, 20 episodes in formally at this point, which is pretty pretty awesome. Um, we've got thousands of listens now. Um, thousands just, of listens. We do absolutely. I know. So it's, like uh, it's a twenty episodes or nineteen episodes. It's like ten episodes per listen. <laughs> so yeah, uh, we you know outside of that we uh, we've got the site. I didn't the site wasn't something that was even a, a, a an initial thought, but we knew we needed a place to put the thing and talk about it. And then we just said, hey, we've got this thing. Let's let's see what else we can do with it. And that's blown up since then uh, yeah. in the ways that we use it. Um, I today personally, I mentioned that. Um, Today I published my 100th thing about soccer this year, um, and that's just in one year. And if you think about the season only having started in uh, March, I've been putting out stuff since then at about the pace of a thing a day. Totally unsustainable pace, so um, <laughs> I'm really excited about what we've done and yeah. the reception we've had, and uh, I hope we can keep doing it. Cool. There's another part of me that wants to burn all this equipment and never do it ever again after tonight. All right, so what, do you, what, uh, what kind of a grade do you give uh, – uh, the TDIK B minus a lot of a lot of dis- personnel decisions uh. that we could have uh, uh, made better. Um, <laughs> probably some marketing Sorry. opportunity here. No, I, 
We're, we're good. Right. I like it. We, do, right. we have our own voice and we do I our own thing. Yeah. I give me an A minus. All right. There were a couple of episodes early on where I was clearly super inebriated. <laughs> we've, and I was, we've gotten slur- better I was slurring my words and, you know, <laughs> I've gotten, we've gotten a lot better about that. So there you go. There was, there was a couple, there was an episode or two where you were also super yeah, inebriated. I'm usually pretty good, but occasionally. So I, I give us a generally like a, a, an A minus. Like we can get better. But we're gonna get better. Uh, yep. All right. So and also five out of five, I'd fuck again. So, you know, <laughs> there you go. All right, let's power through uh, everything else for the podcast because this is gonna be a long podcast. Do not any edit any of this shit out. <laughs> we'll see. This is a, gonna be a long podcast. All right, uh, week uh, week nineteen picture didn't happen. Uh, NYCFC versus Minnesota uh, ended a three one. We both picked this one. Yep. Uh, no, you had it exactly right. I was pretty close too. I, I did. We, I had we exactly were right. right on here. Yeah. Uh, Friday, RSL versus Orlando City FC. Uh, one nothing to Orlando City uh, SC, and nothing happened. We did not predict that one. So I don't know how we did. Looking back at it, eh, I'm like, what were fair. we hoping for? I don't know. Kyler is a fucking idiot. I'm just gonna use this podcast. <laughs> as there a, you go. Say, Do not drink and drive, kids. Um, Saturday. Chicago versus Vancouver, four to nothing. Van or to Chicago. We both picked this one. Um, Montreal versus DC United, uh, two nothing. Uh, we I predicted that one. Um, DC United may even be worse than Minnesota. That's a hard thing to hard thing to <laughs> deal with. Um, FC Dallas beat Toronto three to one. Um, Jesse Gonzalez is very good at soccer, and I really hope he actually gets a serious look at 2018. I predicted that one. Dave Martin did not. <laughs> As usual. Yeah. Uh, Sporting Kansas City, Portland, 1-1. Uh, Larry Thunderstrike. Uh, Tim Malia saves a penalty, and nobody predicted that one. <laughs> Atlanta beat Columbus 2-0. Um, you predicted that one, Dave Martin. Yeah, because I'm fucking brilliant. Yeah. All right. Uh, Colorado beat Houston Dynamo 3-1. Dynamo are really shitty on the road, and Dave Martin predicted that one. It's because I know what's up. Yeah. Um, San Jose versus LA Galaxy in the uh, Cali Classico. San Jose won two to one. Nobody predicted that one. I can't imagine giving less of a shit about the Cali Classico. So goddamn boring for that game. Um, Sunday, Philadelphia beat New England three to nothing. I predicted that one. Where are all the Cody Cropper lovers now in Minnesota? Hey, Cody Cropper finally added me on LinkedIn. Did he? Yeah. All right. Did I tell you about that last week? No. So Cody Cropper, he looked at my LinkedIn profile, but he didn't add me as a connection on LinkedIn. And I'm like, okay, what were you looking for that you didn't find on my profile, Cody? And then apparently like just today, he added me on LinkedIn. So now I'm thinking like, what, so not only what were you looking for that you weren't happy about when you saw my profile, but what happened in the last week that you like considered and reconsidered and said, you know what, fuck it, I'm going for it. Wait, Cody Cropper's on LinkedIn? Apparently, yeah. Okay. I, I think I need to uh, uh, friend request you on LinkedIn. <laughs> you can see, yeah, you can see where all my money comes Do you have soccer in your, in your profile or I've whatever? Got, I've, I'm connected to some soccer people. Okay. No, I, I don't actually make mention I, of I'm it sure I have there. soccer people in my, in my LinkedIn sure. profile. Let's do it. Let's cool. get professionally yeah, let's, connected, let's man. Yeah, let's get fucking professional. <laughs> all right. Uh, Sunday, um, I predicted that Philadelphia would win over New England. Yeah, that, uh, we, we, we already discussed that one. 3 nothing. All right. Uh, Fourth of July, yes. Uh, yesterday, 
Um, Atlanta United beat San Jose 4-2. We both predicted that one because, yeah, obvious. San Jose is shit. Um, none of us predicted Columbus versus Minnesota United FC because fuck Adrian Heath. <laughs> um, FC Dallas beat DC United 4-2. Uh, we both predicted that one correctly. Good for us. <laughs> Good for us. Yeah. I mean, DC United on the road, that's that's a, that's like a it's a gimme. DC United on the road. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like, a, it's like a, you know, one of those uh, uh, freebies. You should, you should only get like a half point. Yeah, for it's that. like one of those freebies like, oh, like, uh, you know, my wife gets Johnny Depp and I get uh, Emma Stone or something <laughs> like that. You know, it's a freebie. Those are such terrible calls. Yeah. Uh, Seattle beat Colorado 3 to 1 yesterday. Uh, we both also got that one. Again, that should be a freebie. That's like. Uh, Right. You know, your your wife gets even, uh, even on the road. I your mean, wife gets uh, I don't know who uh, who's a sexy a sexy dude. Cristiano Ronaldo. Cristiano Ronaldo, and, and then you get who's a sexy lady. It's more like who's the trampiest, most available person for me. So uh, I don't know uh, <laughs> who's the one on Twilight. That one. Oh, Kristen Stewart. Sure, you and Kristen Stewart. Yeah. Your wife gets Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> what, a fucking, what a bargain that is. <laughs> and then uh, LA Galaxy uh, lost to Real Salt Lake at home. Six Holy to fucking shit. If you want to know how bad two. this team is at home, six to two. Holy to shit. RSL. I, uh, Real Salt Lake scored six fucking goals, man. Embarrassing. It's fucking embarrassing. All right. So, through uh, through yesterday, uh, I was eight and seven. Uh, Martin is seven and eight. Uh, we have some games that kicked off already earlier today. Uh, we previewed those in our last podcast. We'll you know hook you up with the results later. Um, right now, I'm ninety six and one hundred eight. You are eighty two and one twenty two. I'm actually getting better. And you're, you've gotten slightly better, so there's that. <laughs> well, it's better than picking nothing. Yeah. So that's a plus. Fair enough. Uh, indulge your fantasy, week 19. Yeah, I had How an off we week. Yeah. You're sitting on uh, 79 points this week, which is, uh, as far as everybody else in the league did, is a slow week. Good job. Overall, you're at uh, 1,241 points. Good enough for 11th place still. You're in 11th place. Yep. Uh, right I right behind a- you. Right behind me, I had a poor week, 62 points. That's good enough for 10th place. So I'm one spot ahead of you. We're still getting our ass kicked by people like these folks who had a great week. Uh, Plate or Plata had 98 points. Yeah, that's, that's my Santa. wife. That's Santa. Great job. Uh, save Mana Kill Time, which, by the way, Mana killed Minnesota last night. 96 points for a second place week. And then Friend Hole FC gets a special credit because uh, jumped four spots. Uh, it's number 18 now, so great for friend hole fc which sounds vaguely sexual so uh great weeks from there let's take a look at the top three in the standings no surprise brothers demidov at 1614 points way out in front over second place costa rica loon uh at 1462 so that's a difference of uh, about 150 points and then villains sv still close enough between that second and third place matches villains sv 
uh, dropping back a little bit in the pace, about 30, 40 well, points behind. Villains SV uh, just jumped Kringle LA. Like they're they're going back and forth on for third place. Right, so. they've got a close match, yeah. and then I think that second place is still up for grabs. Yeah, but, you absolutely. know, uh, assuming that Spencer runs out of internet juice or something, <laughs> uh, you know, barring that, it's going to be a tough. Someone should back. should go, uh, you know, like murder Spencer's uh, laptop. That, yeah, that as well. I said no, maybe I'm his not advocating for poor, that, but, but you know. Okay, okay. Maybe advocating for that. <laughs> sure. All right, so let's move on to the next fun stuff. Um, we've got some fucking answers. So, questions. This week we got from uh, Luke Craig, born with a tail underscore. What are acceptable reasons for missing a home game? Um, I believe Luke asked this question because he did not go to the game last night. Oh, it wasn't, because, he wasn't calling me out. Uh, no, no, he, because he, uh, he went to a wrestling match in Richfield at a VFW with his daughter. And that, my friends, is the acceptable reason for missing a home game. That is an acceptable reason. The other reason is uh, is when um, someone you love is crying and having a hard time. Like a baby or like an adult? Like an adult. Oh, okay. Um, And so you are trying to be a a respectable person. What did you do to make them cry? I did nothing to make them cry. Oh, really? Huh. I think we got another spin-off podcast here. Uh, <laughs> uh, what did you do to make them cry? <laughs> yeah, that, that's all it's about. That's the podcast. Um, I, uh, I, I try to take a little bit of time for my family if other stuff has been uh, crunched. You know, if I've got, if I've got work and I'm working extra hours and maybe there's travel in there. Plus, we've got a busy week from other events that just go on in our life. I will put the game aside to spend time with the kids. They're still young. They're both three and a half, and that time is very meaningful to them. Even if we're just sitting there doing nothing, it's meaningful to them. So, I, you know, I will make space for that, and that's why I don't go to any away watch parties anymore because that's that's them time there. But um, outside of that, it's not. I mean, I don't usually miss them for my wife unless we've got our crazy week or she's having a tough time. You know, I'll, I'll get out there. The actual answer is there is no reason. Yeah, we, this has all been blabbered. There's no acceptable really, yeah. reason to miss a home game. Good point. Even though we both we both have missed home games before <laughs> this, this year. We actually. are unacceptable. Yeah. yeah, we are the worst. All right, next question uh, comes from Goldfish Fibers. Are you ever going to answer my burning questions? Anyways, uh, question after that comes from uh, RLE Grid. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Yeah, sure. I don't know. I don't know. What historical national squad do the loons most resemble in approach and personality? Wow. So it's not even just national squad. It's historical national squad. Do the loons most resemble in approach and personality? Wow, very specific question. Do you have an answer to that? I I don't follow international soccer that closely, so why don't I just say uh, the 1958 England team that uh, shit the bed against Hungary in the World Cup? Those are... Answers. That um, was very much an answer. That, those are not answers. Um, then I, I copied this question and put it in our Word document, and then I uh, totally forgot to think about the answer to this question. Let's see. So let's 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 talk this out. Actually, what, okay, let's talk yeah. this out. Let's All right. So, so we have a, a squad of more attackers than defenders. True. Um, thin in every super position. Super incompetent at most every position. Right. Very thin. Uh, very makeshift. We are. We have, a, we, have, we have a coach who can't decide on what formation to have. 
and we have a coach who keeps putting in players who do not fit the actual position they are asked to play. We are that is true. Jurgen Klinsmann's 2015 oh, there you go. Yeah. World Cup qualifying team. No, see, you know, I, I don't, again, I don't follow international soccer too much, um, but yeah, it, it's a perfect example. No, that's, that's, that's the fucking that's answer. That's the answer. No, it's, that's not even, there's not even a fun question. We're done. That's, that's the fucking it. answer. Thank you, uh, Rilla Grid. <laughs> Rilla, Rilla Grid. We're not. Rilla Grid. Rilla Grid. Um, so yeah, so th- that's it. That's the podcast. Um, hey, you can find our shit at davesiknow.com. Um, we will be, po- we always post stuff almost every day. Almost yeah. every goddamn yeah. day. I'm posting uh, some Europe stuff tomorrow. Um, you can, hey, please rate and like our stupid shit at whatever podcast uh, thing you use. Um, follow us at TDIKMN on Twitter. You can email questions to the Daves I know, MN at gmail.com. Follow me at Texas Eller. Follow Martin at offensive underscore loons. This yeah, I hope that, next time. That I hope next time that we do report cards, the parents go home a little happier. It is what it is. Yeah. All right. We have been the Daves. You know, this is the Daves I know. Thanks for listening. As you do yours, land here, become fecund. Yeah, uh, we, we do yeah. our thing, son. Through the act, we attract two, hope to reach one. Some will paint a piece, some will spray with a machine gun. It's mad work to be done. Uh, we, we do our thing, son. Y'all know we can't at all. Oh, you son of a bitch. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs>